0: David Spada is a successful attorney whose
1: dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy, because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal.
2: Elliot, another day, another show. A beautiful day in Chicago.
0: Exactly. We have a beautiful woman coming on, hopefully soon, Maria Canellas Look forward to that,
2: always. I'm sure we'll get a lot of listeners today with 85,000 Twitter followers. That's almost as many as you have. I wish. Or that just the creditors coming after you.
0: I think that's the creditors no. and the disgruntled clients. No. We don't want those. Also... Uh, Gentlemen, we we have 80-year-old former managers on. They usually haven't managed in about 20 years, but this guy just managed last week. Jack McKeon's going to be on later on. Trader this show. Jack. And he wants to come back at 88 and break the record
2: Well, with Connie MacCamp. Ozzy should be done by about then uh, down in Florida, don't you think so? He,
0: he might be on his boat to Cuba or the Dominican or somewhere. Venezuela? He kind of scares me being on a boat. They kind of be like Gilligan.
2: <laughs> As long as you don't have Gatling guns on it, I think we're okay.
0: And then NFL Hall of Famer Carl Eller will be on later on the show also. One of the purple people leaders. I'll tell you what, you know what makes the show fun is living a dream. I, I thought you made the show fun. <laughs> I knew it wasn't me. The girls make it fun, but when you get a former athlete or Hall of Famer sending you a picture with a note saying they enjoyed being on the show, I got one from Marv Levy yesterday, and you know what? My face lit up. I'm going, you know what? I must be doing something right with Elliot. He goes, I enjoy being on the show, because we had him on last year. I sent him something. He put return to sender. Now, this year, he actually enjoyed being on the show.
2: Who knows? Maybe we are doing something right. Or maybe he's just getting senile in his uh, older years. I don't know. I maybe
0: got a little offended last year when uh, Robin brought a singer in to sing Happy Birthday to him and brought some other guy on who kept asking him about where he went to high school, if he knew Johnny Jones or
2: something. Uh, okay. Didn't have a cake with all the candles, did you? No, we
0: would have burnt down the studio.
2: No, wouldn't want that. Wouldn't want that. Of course, that was another location, so might not have mattered. <laughs> not too many people listening to i you're saying? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. A lot of hot air there?
0: Uh,
2: I didn't say that either, but yes.
0: I liked uh, the article about you yesterday in the Wilmette newspaper there.
2: George Castle uh, for AOL Patch did a nice job. I couldn't have written it better. I, maybe I could have written it a little better. No. George did a fine job. Made up great quotes. Now those were accurate, so it, it's uh, it's nice to know that somebody's still out there paying attention. And I like the article, not just because my name was mentioned in it, too. Oh, it, I thought that was the main selling point
0: for you. My wife goes, "You're such a ham." I go, "As long as you don't call me Porky yeah. Pig."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah. it, what's up, Doc? And then you had the nice uh, article today on ElwoodHarris.com about Steve Jobs. Here,
2: yeah, it's you know his impact on society is. Been well chronicled and talked on just about any TV or radio station uh, around the world. But think of it. If, if it's not for him, you wouldn't be looking at your little iPad uh, on the desk here. People wouldn't be checking scores and news on their little iPhones. You wouldn't have these little uh, personal computers, much less laptops floating around, I don't think. You know, maybe somebody would have come up with the idea at some point. But he was the one who you know co founder of Apple incorporated, and uh I thought it was uh the guy from
0: Microsoft Bill Gates, who invented the internet and the computer. And all I that. thought
2: it was Al Gore that invented the internet
0: <laughs> well, that's right, Al Gore I forgot about him
2: but yeah, no it's you just think in the the course of uh twenty twenty five years how technology has advanced so rapidly, you know once upon a time uh radio became television and that took a fair amount of time and then the com- i can remember when computers would fill up gigantic rooms at universities you know here's a univac or what whatever the the computer was now you you have computers that'll uh, fit in nice little briefcases fit in your hand the dissemination of information if this show was 30 years ago we'd be uh with a, a desk full of newspapers, looking hey just see what's in the paper today. Now we can see what it's in the paper all around the world. See what it's on the internet at websites all around the world. Uh, it's it's just a very interesting, fun time to be alive. No, I mean you're right because before
0: it was radio in the twenties. Then you had TV, and around the forties, fifties took off, and then it basically stayed stagnant or just TV, right.
2: and then if, yeah, I, I can remember when the The big improvement in television was going from black and white to color. You'd go, wow. And there'd be a couple shows in color and you'd go, well, first of all, it didn't matter because you didn't have a color TV set. Then when you got the color TV set, you'd wait for the color shows to come on and the NBC peacock to ruffle its feathers or whatever it did. But nowadays it's all your, what you don't get with the computer is, uh, something a sense of smell that's about or taste but everything else you get live action even mp3s are kind of getting obsolete
0: because look at our podcast when i started doing this almost three years ago it was just audio now all of a sudden we got this video here you can be able to pop pictures right and people are going to youtube all the time just looking basically for research okay they see something on tv or hear something on tv and say oh here's so-and-so and they Put type the name in, and they could f- figure out whatever they want on the guy or woman.
2: Yeah, and if you want, if you couldn't remember the guy who gave up Babe Ruth's 60th home run, instead of having to trek down to the library and hoping that an encyclopedia or a baseball reference book might have it, you go to Google, and boom, there it is. It, no, it's truly amazing. I mean, and Steve Jobs, not only with Apple, he's
0: when he got run out of Apple, he started that whole movie studio and Pixar. It's basically... Toy,
2: Toy Story. Your kids probably have a few of those movies at home.
0: Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and that just took off. I mean, and then I think he sold it for $7 billion to Disney, and it's it's amazing what he did.
2: Yeah, it is. His accomplishments are incredible, and once again, uh, it doesn't really matter how much money you accumulate in life. That doesn't mean you're going to live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. You know, it's just sort of the... The luck of the draw. You don't think the
0: announcement the day before killed him when the new iPhone came out and the stock took a tumble? I
2: I I heard saw some tweet somewhere that the the iPhone 4S meant for Steve. <laughs> which I thought that that's pretty touching if if that's the truth. If not, it it's not a bad marketing ploy. I thought it was for shit because they didn't
0: do enough with it. They're talking bigger screens, smaller, all these features. All it does is it has a better processor a better camera, and right. you could talk to it or something.
2: Don't you think, he, along with his legacy, he left behind several generations of projects yet to be unveiled and developed?
0: Oh, I'm sure I'm sure they have the iPhone 5 already in production. It's just a matter Six, of... 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Exactly. But the thing I found interesting is Apple does not give any money to charity or him. He never believed in charities. So not one dime from Apple goes to charity, which, okay, they, they're sitting on all this cash... They have no debt. I think it was, I saw $80 billion yeah, in can,
2: cash. but they had more money than the U.S. government or something at one point?
0: Exactly, and they're not reinvesting it. And I mean, because Gates is involved with Buffett, with foundations, yeah. things like that. Yeah, and, Gates is very charitable. And I'm looking at this guy, I'm going, $80 billion in this company, and what are they doing here? Yeah. Look know. at Rockefeller. Rockefeller has his name all over New York. Yeah. It's a,
2: truly amazing. What do you think about those baseball playoffs? I like them. Uh, to me, there's nothing better in sports than the last game of a series, whether it's best-of-five, best-of-seven. You get to that ultimate game where you know this is it for either team. Uh, the only way the best-of-five series could be better in these baseball playoffs would be if it was a best-of-seven series, because I think the best-of-five doesn't play out the way a best-of-seven series does, but uh, to have the Phillies on the verge of possible elimination... Same for the Yankees. Same for the Brewers.
0: That game yesterday was amazing. I mean, you have the Diamondbacks, basically, coming back, winning that game, with Ryan Roberts hitting another grand slam, hit one late in the year, and he's doing his Kirk Gibson impression, I guess, late in the
2: year. Well, you got Kirk Gibson as your manager. You might as well uh, learn how to do a Kirk Gibson impersonation. Uh, The Diamondbacks are not a fluke. I don't think any of the teams that are in the postseason are a fluke. If the Cubs are there, what
0: would that be, a miracle?
2: Uh, what's the next step beyond miracle? Uh, whatever that is, is, that's what the Cubs would be.
0: What do you think about this Epstein? Are they going to interview this guy or not? No one knows. If the Red Sox granted permission, not. Well,
2: assuming that the Cubs have permission to talk to him, it would certainly make sense for the Cubs to talk to him. Whether Theo Epstein wants to leave Boston, where he's a general manager, to come to Chicago To just be general manager, uh, whether the challenge in and of itself is sufficient, I'm not sure. If you say to him, we'd like you to be president of our ball club, I think that's a a different story.
0: I think he wants part of the ownership. Give him a piece of the action. Dean's got a piece of the A's. Give him a piece of the clubs. I mean, we need it here. The only thing I'm concerned about is, is this Andy McPhail all over
2: again? Well, I don't know. You you know, or Tom Ricketts's pockets as deep as John Henry's? Will Tom Ricketts write the checks that John Henry wrote to get the players that Theo Epstein got? Theo Epstein went out and got a lot of good ballplayers. He also swung and missed several times too and ate a lot of bad contracts. Is Tom Ricketts willing to do that? We've
0: already Uh, eaten bad contracts. we got Zambrano, Soriano. Sure.
2: We had a ton. Right. And with Theo... There's the possibility, if he's allowed to go out and spend, that he could bring in some more bad contracts. You know, or,
0: Yeah, we'll bring in uh, Dice K.
2: Yeah, you know, look at some of the players and they just don't pay off. But Boston has enough revenue streams that it doesn't pose a problem. What but, the Cubs need to do is inc- somehow increase those revenue streams. Now, how they do that, is Theo the mastermind to tell them that you need to uh, get – advertising on the troughs at wrigley field i don't know or do you need a marketing guy
0: but he did it with boston oh look they closed the street down the renovation of fenway park and now they're saying that the clubs need someone who can basically break bread with the mayor Rahm Emanuel. and they're saying epstein's the guy those two could sit down and get something done where he's a heart what is he harvard graduate i think epstein yeah. he's not a sweat hog no <laughs> that's yeah. another epstein well welcome back cotter no.
2: <laughs>
0: Dave goes, no more 70s TV references.
2: He doesn't want to hear it. Okay, we should work our way up to the 80s, 90s. We'll have to do some, like, 90s,
0: yeah, Friends references. No, no. But, I mean, again, Epstein, I think, can get it done with Emmanuel, because we actually got a Chicago mayor who likes the Cubs, and that like, daily for years who was a Sox guy.
2: Yeah, but I think no matter how much Rahm Emanuel may like the Cubs, I think he would like the idea of a balanced budget and not going in the hole further for a private enterprise such as the Cubs. You know, there's some work that the, the Cubs and the city of Chicago can do together, but I don't know how much Chicago and the state of Illinois are willing to go uh, issuing bonds or whatever it might be to, to find the funding that the Cubs might want.
0: Let's get right to our next guest, a gentleman who has managed Major League Baseball for several decades and who just got done managing the Florida Marlins. He knocked my Chicago Cubs out of the playoffs, not once, but twice, not only with the Marlins, but also with the Padres back in 1984. Jack McKean, how you doing, Jack?
1: Good, guys, good, good.
0: So, Jack, when are you going to come back and manage again? The Cubs need a manager.
1: <laughs> well, I'm always on call.
0: <laughs> what do you think what's going on here in Chicago? They're talking about trying to get Theo Epstein to be the GM, president, whatever, popcorn salesman.
1: Well, I don't know. You know, that's a very, very special franchise, and I'm sorry to see you guys haven't won in so many years. But once again, you got to go back and look and say, "Hey, what's what, what's going on here? Uh, are we picking the right players? Are we got the right people in charge? Who knows?" But uh, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. You know, you got to have the players to win, and evidently uh, in the past, why you've had good players, but you never. S- Seem to put it all together.
2: Well, you look at some of those Cub teams uh, with Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Sano, Randy Honley, Kessinger, Beckett, and you think they couldn't win with those guys? Because that was a pretty impressive daily lineup they tossed out there.
1: Well, it's no question. I still liked 80, 80, 84. Had a good club. 2003, had a good club. But just couldn't get over to home for some reason. And I don't think it's the curse. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just a case of hey, uh, I didn't have the right players. I had the right players for the regular season, but I didn't have the playoff players.
0: In 84, when you were managing the Padres and the Cubs hit you down 2-0, did you think, you know what, how are we going to come back and win this series?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I never thought how we are going to come back and win it. I thought we'd win it, but yet, on the other hand, you say, hey, you got to be realistic about it. You know, they're coming. You're down 2 to nothing in the five-game series. Chances are not good, but... Uh, uh, I always thought we could win it, just like in three. I just, uh, you know, didn't give up hope, thinking that because Pryor and Wood were going to pitch against us and they had really dominated us most of the year. But, I don't know, I had a bunch of guys that were pretty uh, pretty dedicated to winning, and uh, they knew how to uh, wait for an opening. And if an opening came up, by they came through in style.
2: So there was no point in the 3 playoffs... Where you said, Well, it looks like the Cubs are going to go to the World Series. I was watching that game six in the press box, and I said, Okay, it's never happened in my lifetime, but it, five outs to go, it sure looks like the Cubs are going to be in the World Series.
1: Well, I never thought, you know, like I said, you always wait for an opening, and we got that opening. But um, when you look at uh, 84, I never forget sitting in my box. You know, I was the general manager at the time, I wasn't the manager. And uh, I was sitting in my box, and the president of the club came over, and it was straight to nothing, and he said, ah, it doesn't look good. I said, no. I said, club's getting the ball up now. We're starting to hit this guy. If we get a couple runs here, we'll beat him. And fortunately, we got a run, and the next inning, you know, the ball went through uh, Durham's legs, and the rest is history. But I, I, I just, like I said, both times we were down, and it looked like it was the end of the line, but we were able to battle back.
0: I think your biggest coup with the Padres back then was getting Steve Garvey from the Dodgers because, I mean, Garvey was the Dodgers, and you took the face of the Dodgers and brought him over, and you gave the Padres credibility.
1: Well, there's no question about that, but I I think the key to the 84 series was when Jim Fry didn't bring in Lee Smith. Uh, and I know why, as all managers stick with your big winner. Sutcliffe was a 18-game winner, and Cy Young, whatever it was, had a great year and you know you kind of lean on those sort of like the Pedro Pedro Gomez I mean the Pedro Martinez situation in Boston you kind of want to go the extra mile with that guy that carried you so far and I know Lee Smith's warming up in a bullpen and I'm saying God don't bring him in because all Lee had to do was throw his glove on the mound and we were done and fortunately uh, you know he stayed with, uh, with Sutcliffe I mean and before you know it, I never got to use him
2: So what do you make of Ozzie Gian coming to the Marlins?
1: Well, he's a popular guy down there. He was my coach in three, and the fans love him. And I think the organization decided that going into a new stadium, we want to bring a popular guy in here, a guy that, that had, had won a World Series before and uh, is a good baseball man and... Uh, Hopefully that he will all of a sudden pull some magic and turn it around.
0: Did you realize Ozzy was going to be that good of a manager when he was on your coaching staff?
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What made him qualified to be a manager?
1: Well, I thought I thought the way the guy played the game. He was almost like Larry Ball and those guys that I, you know, I'd hired Larry. They're good baseball men. Now, you know, the question is, can you handle 25 guys? But, I mean, overall intelligence on the baseball field, this guy was a very, very sharp player, and he knew how to relate to, especially to the Latin players, and and I, I always thought he had the qualifications to be a good manager. Now
2: you look at baseball in Florida. Uh, Marlins are getting a new stadium. The Rays won a new stadium. But neither team seems to be able to fill out their existing stadium. Is, is baseball ever going to be... Successful to the level that we see in Boston, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and elsewhere?
1: I think this will be a good test. I think the new stadium will be a real test. You know, we have a very difficult time down there playing in a football stadium with 67, 68,000 seats available. And when you have 15, 20,000 people, it looks like you got an empty stadium. And, uh, you know, then they're always tearing a field up, especially in August to September to convert, and you're playing football and baseball in the stadium, plus the fact that it rains all the time. And it rains during 5 o'clock, 4 to 6 o'clock, you're going to get a shower. Now, if you're up in Palm Beach County or somewhere up in West Palm, Boca Raton, somewhere like that, and you say, well, I don't want to go to the ballgame and get rained out, or I don't want to get rained on all the time. So I think the rain factor is a a situation that's going to be corrected by the Stone Stadium, and plus the fact that I think here – we're putting it downtown Miami. Now we're going to find out, does Miami really want to support Major League Baseball? And this is our team now, the Miami. It's not Florida, it's Miami. And uh, I really think that the, the, the area is will get behind it and we'll draw well. And in a few years you'll find out, if, is Florida worthy of having Major League Baseball?
0: You mentioned Larry Boa working under you. He never got another opportunity to manage after the Padres. I mean, what's the reason for that?
1: No, he, what are you talking about? He went back to the Phillies and managed for three or four years.
2: Oh, okay. I forgot about the Phillies.
1: Yeah, because we ended up beating them out in three.
2: But he, he does a much better job, it seems, on uh, MLB Network, analy- an- analyzing the game. And,
1: he does and- a good job. He's a good baseball man. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you're a good baseball man, but you don't have good players, or you have good players, and. Can't seem to get the best out of them.
0: How has managing changed from when you started in '73 to 2011?
1: Well, the players are bigger, smarter, uh, more focused today, and I think they're the, the more intelligent players coming into the game today. And that's because of the advent of television, and they're seeing so much of you know the college. The, the programs are much better. The coaching in the, in the high schools, colleges are much better. Uh, these guys get plenty of, you know, get a chance to see many television games and and learn by listening to the sportscasters and so forth. So I think you got a smarter players coming into the game. Plus the fact I think you got with the strength and the conditioning programs around the country today, guys are taking better care of themselves. They're getting bigger, stronger, and that's certainly going to help too. And also they see that the salaries are going up pretty good, so they work a little bit harder to get <laughs> in a pretty good position to make some big money.
2: Are managers getting smarter as well?
1: I don't think the managers getting any smarter. I think they've always been smart. <laughs> but the problem is, you got you got players today. Now it's not like years ago when we broke in. It was a case where you didn't want to go talk to the manager because you're afraid he might tell you, "Hey, you're shipping you out somewhere." Today, uh, these guys want an ex- explanation for everything, and uh, you know the, uh, uh, the, the. I tell you, I, I think so- uh, Sandberg said it great. At, the, at his Hall of Fame speech when he says so many guys today in the big leagues do not have the respect of management, managers, coaches, and don't even have respect for the game. And, and I think that's true. I think they're all looking for some money to make big money, and respect has is, is gone out the window.
2: Now, are you big on use of computers for managers? I know uh, Tony LaRusso and Dave Duncan have their little notebooks and things like that.
1: Yeah, my notebook is right in my head. And, uh, you know, I, I I do read the stats a lot. I do the, the get look the look over the computer, print house, But, you know, that's just like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Phillies sticking up uh, uh, Francisco. The pinch hit the other night. He hit the three-run homer when his previous stats are 1-for-19 or 0-for-19, whatever it was. I mean, so where where does the computer, uh, you know, that's the only thing that bothers me, is where does the computer come in when it says, uh, you know, this guy uh, shouldn't be put up there, this other guy, uh, uh, Ross Glode, or one of the other guys should be uh, uh, pinch hitting instead of this guy, because he's got better stats. I'll never forget a time when I was managing the uh, the Marlins, and uh, 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 Tom Glavin was uh, pitching, uh, and he had, uh, and we had a catcher, named Pudge Rodriguez, and we also had another catcher named Mark Redman. And I got a call one day from one of the executives to say, who's who's playing tonight? Who's catching? I said, uh, uh, Pudge. And they said, don't you know that Redman hits 800 against <laughs> Glavin? I said, good. I don't care if he hits 8,000. Pudge is going to catch. Well, what happens? Pudge hits a home run in the first inning, a two-run homer, we win the game two to nothing. So, I mean... Am I going to go by computers? The stats did, indicate Redmond should have caught that day. Did that stop the phone calls? Yeah, that took care of that. The guy comes up and said to me, I'll never make another suggestion again.
0: I talked to you in July. One Saturday afternoon, I asked you to come on the show, and you said, Dave, I can't. I'm going to be traveling on Thursday. The next day, you're named the manager of the Marlins. Did you know that Saturday that they're going to name you the manager? <laughs>
1: We that again, uh, Dave.
0: <laughs> I talked to you on a Saturday in the afternoon. and Saturday you said,
1: afternoon, okay. And
0: then you said you couldn't come on the show Thursday, you're going to be traveling. The next day, the Marlins introduced you as their manager. Did you know the day before that you are going to be the Marlins manager? Uh,
1: that was on Saturday, no. Sunday, I went to church on Sunday morning and came back from church, and my wife said, you had a phone call from the Marlins. And I said immediately, she said that Eddie... Rodriguez had resigned. And I said, oh, well, they want me to manage the club. So that's how it happened. So I didn't didn't know that until Sunday afternoon. So it wasn't divine intervention? <laughs> no, probably. Let me see. I'm trying to think where I was traveling. I don't know where I was. I don't know what I was traveling.
0: I thought George Burns came to you and said, Jack, I got somewhere, something for you to do. I want you to go manage your marlins again. Kind of like an old god
1: Well, you know, I'm considered, you know, really a a, a takeover guy. You know, I take it this is the fifth club I've taken over mid-season, so I'd rather take clubs over in the middle of the year.
0: Could you have saved the Cubs this year? Could I what? Could you have saved the Cubs if you took them over in June or July?
1: I don't know. (laughs) You know, I I really don't know. I I think there was, uh, to me, was you got to have winners. And you just can't saddle yourself with guys that maybe put up good numbers. But they're not, they don't fit into the program. They don't, they don't, they're not winners. I want winners.
0: So if the phone rang this offseason, would you take another job?
1: Uh, Possibly. (laughs) Or it has to be a certain job. I'm not done. I mean, I'm not done. I've got one more goal in mind. What's your goal? That's to pass. Connie Mack as the oldest in the history of the game, and I got to wait six years.
2: Okay. Well, you got to do something between then and now.
1: Well, I work now as, he's, as a as special advisor to the owner. It was, you know, I went. That was my previous job before I went back. But I'm always on call for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get in trouble with Ozzy, I'm on call. <laughs> <laughs> How long is that going to take before Ozzy says something stupid? <laughs> I don't have any idea. <laughs>
0: But I think, I think he'll have more leeway in Florida.
1: Yeah, he will. They, they like him down there. And hell, they love him in Chicago, too. But, you know, sometimes, uh, like you said, uh, you know, other guys said you need a new voice.
2: Well, and sometimes a manager tends to run his course, his tenure with one team. It well, seems.
1: there's no question about it. I mean, to me, you know, the maximum was four years. You know, and after four years, they get tired listening to you unless you're with the Dodgers. But if I was a general manager again. And I had a good manager. I would quit blaming the manager for lousy teams. I'd start putting some of the blame on myself for not supplying the the guy with some good players.
0: The only thing that scares me about Florida is you had Girardi down there. He was very successful, and it seems like Gloria ran him out of town.
1: Well, I guess I don't know what happened. I wasn't down there at the time. I live in North Carolina, so I don't stay up-to-date on daily stuff down there, but I guess there was a there was some friction there. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what, really what the details are, but I know there was some friction there.
0: Let's go back to the 0-3 playoffs, the Cubs and Marlins. Do you think that the tide turned with Bartman or with the ball going through Gonzalez's legs?
1: I would think it was going through Gonzalez's legs. So is that when you knew you guys were in good shape? Yes, sir. I didn't think anything. I didn't think the Bartman situation was a the- was an indicator that we were going to win that thing, but when the ball was booted by Gonzalez, I knew we were going to win it.
0: So, do you think that uh, the manager at the time, Dusty, should have pulled out Pryor and put in his closer rather than ride Pryor?
1: I don't know. That's you know that's something that the manager has to decide. You know, you, that's a tough question. You know, you don't. You, if, if I said yes, you're second guessing Dusty, and that's not the case. You don't know. I mean, if the guy executes well and gets out of that inning. It's great. Here you got one of the top pitchers in the game that's just mowing us down one, one by one, and all of a sudden we get a we get a breather there. We get a break, and we cash in. But uh, I don't know.
0: But you wrote Josh Beckett's arm in that playoffs, and he won the, those playoffs well, in the World Series. Well, that's
1: the risk. You know, one thing I learned from the owner of the Marlins, Jeffrey Loria, no risk, no, re- no, no reward. And uh, you know, I pitched. Uh, Beckett pitched a two-hit shutout on Sunday down in down in Florida. And uh, I said to the pitching coach, "We'll give him a day off, and uh, if we have to use him, we'll use him." Well, my, we use him for an inning or two. Well, he got by the first inning, buzzed him. Second inning, I said, "Let him go 2 He buzzed him the second. Inning. Let him go three, and let him go four. And and that's what it happened. And uh, he he kept the Cubs at bay, and the rest of the guys came in. But if you look at that series, the the keys to that series was me using my starting pitchers in the bullpen. Penny, Pavano, Beckett, Willis, they all contributed. Because you know I looked at it this way: this is a seven-game series. We're down to we're down three and one. Hey. We got all all winter to rest. These guys got all winter to rest. And the was flowing amongst our guys. And Beck and those guys were anxious to get out there and pitch. You know, that wasn't one of them kind of guys well, I'll see how my arm feels and that. give me the ball. And when you have guys like that, you're not afraid to take a chance with those guys.
0: Could you see Carlos Zambrano pitching for the Marlins next year?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. I read it about I read all that stuff about him coming back, but I don't know. That'd be some kind of a that's some kind of a uh, a duo, him and Ozzie.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine those two on the boat together? It could be interesting. You're in Miami.
1: But you know the funny thing is, uh, Zambrano, you know, in three was a pretty good pitcher. He, he was he was tough on us. You know, I think he threw a one hitter one time against us, and I probably had more uh, worries about Zambrano than I did Curry Ward or, or Mark Pryor. But uh, we were able to get him, and then. Able to get the other two guys as well.
0: You were in great shape in Game Seven because I had no faith in Kerry Wood because it seems like you put the pressure on this guy. He seems like he chokes all the time. He's not a big game pitcher.
1: Well, like I said, you know they the times that we played them during the regular season, they they seem to be able to put the put the numbers on the board. You know with the with the offensive power that they had, and and uh, we, we kind of struggled with them in the, in doing, during the regular season, especially Wood and Pryor.
0: What's your favorite moment in baseball?
1: Winning the World Series in 2003. Is that your favorite team? That's my favorite team, right. Thank you
0: so much for your time, Mr. McKean. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Hey, I enjoyed talking to you guys, and thank you for having me. And And I'll see
0: you again in six years managing, six and a half years.
1: You you bet. We'll look forward to it. We'll be breaking Connie, uh, Connie Mack's record, and I'll be the oldest manager in the history of the game.
0: Thank you. God bless. Thank you.
2: That was Jack McKeon, former manager of the Marlins. Yeah, one one minor difference. G- Connie Mack owned the ball club. I don't know that Jack McKeon's going to own any ball clubs between uh, now and six, seven, eight years from now. You never know. If a
0: team gets desperate enough and wanting to manage it, they do- might give them a piece of the pie. Dodgers
2: could be available.
0: Exactly. Don't tell Tommy Oslo, they might shoot us. <laughs> <laughs> they're not for sale, guys. Who told you they're for sale? Remember that interview? Yeah, I remember that interview. <laughs> Again, you're listening to Sports and Torts. When we come back, we hope to have on NFL Hall of Famer Carl Eller. Stay tuned.